0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Walter. This is part of the Zion's Redemption radio network. Today we're going to be reading Selected Sermons, Part 2 of Chapter 12 of Michael Adams, speaking on the Adam God Doctrine. We'll be in pages 129 to 144. We'll get into the reader portion of the program, which is 40 minutes long. And then we'll get into the commentary portion after that. People who have questions or comments about the Adam God doctrine can call in during that portion of the show after the reader program. And then anyone with questions on theology can call in after that portion of the program
2: let's get into the reading selected sermons part two of chapter 12 of michael adam of the adam god doctrine pages 129 to 144 president brigham delivered a lengthy and interesting lecture on theology which was listened to with profound attention by the audience there's news May the 2nd, 1855, this is eternal life, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Well, how can we learn by reading the history of Adam and Eve to know the Lord? If you were to hear the footsteps of the Lord, would you know from the history of Adam and Eve that it was the Lord coming? They knew his voice and his footsteps for they had lived with him. And what I have upon this subject I now say. Adam had been with the Lord, and had lived with him upon an earth like this, and had been faithful and overcome, and had received his body, and was resurrected and was well acquainted with the Lord, and was one of his messmates. He had eaten and drank with him and had lived with him from generation to generation and in many worlds, probably while many had come into and gone out of existence. And he helped to make this earth, and brought the seeds with him that you see springing up spontaneously, and when he called, the elements came rolling together. Well, you see from this that when you and I have been with and lived with the Lord, we shall know his voice. If Father Adam were to come into this house, and you were to see him go back and forth, would you know him? No, you would never mistrust it was him unless he revealed himself. But by the time that you have lived with him as long as Adam had before he came here, you will know him and recognize his footsteps. But reading the history will not teach you these things. Consequently I come right down to ourselves and say we cannot know the only wise God of Jesus Christ whom he has sent. No man can have this knowledge but those to whom God, 130, reveals it. Has he revealed it to you, who he is? what he has to do with this world and the relationship that he sustains to it. You must not be astonished when I tell you that the whole world, with the exception of the Latter-day Saints, for they do know something about God, but the whole world besides are as far from that knowledge as the East is from the West. Though they read it in the Bible, yet it never enters into their hearts that the Apostle told the truth when he says, there is but one living and true God, The father of our spirits. Well now, who is the father of our spirits? I will tell you what I think about some who will have something to do with us by and by. When Michael blows his trumpet and calls the world together, we shall then be before him and we shall be perfectly satisfied that he can pass all the judgment that we shall want and that the dominions of the wicked will want. And I have no doubt but the saints that live and have lived from the days of Adam will be satisfied that he can give them kingdoms and power, thrones and dominions and the influence in eternity. And when they get all that he can give, they will be satisfied and say it is enough. If we can get to him, the ancient of Ace, whose hair is like wool, a man of age, a man of experience, and can learn of him to understand, I am that I am. We shall then hear him say, I am your father and leader. I will be your front and your rearward. I understand what this world is. I understand all about it. I have the government of the world in my hands, although to a certain extent my opposer, my enemy, has gained a certain influence in the world. You will hear him say, I am in the whirlwinds at my pleasure. I ride upon the storms and I govern worlds. I set up one king and put another down and organize empires and overthrow them at my pleasure. O the Lord do all these things. When we come to that great and wise and glorious being that the children of Israel were afraid of, whose countenance shone so that they could not look upon him, I say when we get to him whom they could not look upon, 2, 131, that man, That is, I conclude he was a man for it says that he had hands and you know men have hands. And it says that he put his hands out before Moses in the cleft of the rock until his glory passed by and would not suffer Moses to see his face, but he is less than back greater than parts only. Seeing then that he had parts, I conclude that he was a man. When we can see that very character and talk and live with him in our tabernacles, If we are so fortunate as to get there into his society, then we can say that to us there is but one living and true God, and he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and of our spirits. And when we get back to him and learn that he is actually our Father, we shall not feel any anxiety to call upon anybody else for the blessings we are in need of. It is a subject I am aware that does not appear so clear to our understandings at present as we could wish it or as it will someday, and it is one that should not trouble us at all. All such things will become more clear to your minds by and by. I tell you this is my belief about that personage who is called the Ancient of Ace, the Prince and so on, but I do not tell it because that I wish it to be established in the minds of others. But to me it is as clear as the sun, it is as plain as my alphabet. I understand it as I do the path to go home. I did not understand so until my mind became enlightened with the Spirit and by the revelations of God, neither will you understand until our Father in heaven reveals all these things unto you. To my mind and to my feelings those matters are all plain and easy to be understood. Three. Sermon by Brigham Young, June 18, 1873, Deseret Weekly News 22, 308-309. I wanted to make a few remarks upon the subject touched upon by my brother, but I shall not have the time. I frequently think, in my meditations, how glad we should be to, 132, instruct the world with regard to the things of God. If they would hear and receive our teachings in good and honest hearts and profit by them. I have been found fault with a great many times for casting reflections upon men of science and especially upon theologians because of the little knowledge they possess about man being on the earth, about the earth itself, about our Father in heaven, His Son Jesus Christ, the order of heavenly things, the laws by which angels exist, by which the worlds were created and are held in existence, etc., how pleased we would be to place these things before the people if they would receive them. How much unbelief exists in the minds of the latter-day saints in regard to one particular doctrine which I revealed to them, and which God revealed to me, n- namely that Adam is our father, and God n- I do not know, I do not inquire, I care nothing about it. Our father Adam helped to make this earth, it was created expressly for him, and after it was made, he and his companions came here. He brought one of his wives with him, and she was called Eve, because she was the first woman upon the earth. Our father Adam is the man who stands at the gate and holds the keys of everlasting life and salvation to all his children who have or whoever will come upon the earth. I have been found fought with by the ministers of religion because I have said that they were ignorant. But I could not find any man on the earth who could tell me this, although it is one of the simplest things in the world, until I met and talked with Joseph Smith. Is it a great mystery that the earth exists? Is it a great mystery that the world cannot solve that man is on the earth? Yes, it is. But to whom? To the ignorant and dash those who know nothing about it. It is no mystery to those who understand. Is it a mystery to the Christian world that Jesus is the Son of God, and still the Son of Man? Yes, it is. It is hidden from them, and this fulfills the scripture and dash, if our gospel be hid, it, it is hid to them that are lost, who have no faith and who pay no attention to the Spirit of God. These things are called 133 mysteries by the people because they know nothing about them, just like laying hands on the sick. Is it a mystery that fever should be rebuked and the sick healed by the laying on of the hands of a man who is endowed with authority from God and has been ordained to that gift? Oh yes, say the ignorant, we know nothing about it. That is true, but where is the mystery? Will the ignorant receive the truth when they hear it? No, they will not, and this is their condemnation, that light has come into the world, and they choose darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. That is a fact in the case. What is the mystery about it? They do not understand invisible things, Asked the wicked, do you know anything about the laying on of hands? Oh yes, such a man, and dash a man who is wicked in his whole life, and dash has the art of laying on of hands for curing the toothache, fevers, wounds, etc. And now, in fulfillment of the words of the ancient prophet, thousands of people seek unto wizards who peep and mutter, etc., but they will not seek unto the living God, I can say to all the inhabitants of the earth that before what is called spiritualism was ever known in America, I told the people that if they would not believe the revelations that God had given, he would suffer the devil to give revelations that they and dash priests and people and dash would follow after. Where did I declare this? In the cities of New York, Albany, Boston, throughout the United States and in England, Have I seen this fulfilled? I have. I told the people that as true as God lived, if they would not have truth, they would have error sent unto them, and they would believe it. What is the mystery of it? The Christian world read of, and think much about, Street, Paul, also Street, Peter, the chief of the apostles. These men were faithfully to and magnified the priesthood while on the earth. Now, where will be the mystery after they have passed through all the ordeals and have been crowned and exalted, and received their inheritances in the eternal worlds of glory, for 134, them to be sent forth, as the gods have been forever and ever, with the command m-dash, make yourselves an earth, and people it with your own children? Do you think the starry heavens are going to fall? Do the Christian world or the heathen world think that all things are going to be wrapped up, consumed, and annihilated in eternal flames? O fools, and slow of heart to believe the great things that God has purposed in his own mind. My brother said that God is as we are. He did not mean those words to be literally understood. He meant simply. That in our organization we have all the properties in embryo in our bodies that our father has in his, and that literally, morally, socially, by the spirit and by the flesh we are his children. Do you think that God, who holds the eternities in his hands and can do all things at his pleasure, is not capable of sending forth his own children and forming this flesh for his own offspring? Where is the mystery in this? We say that Father Adam came here and helped to make the Earth. Who is he? He is Michael, the great prince, and it was said to him by Elohim, go here and make an Earth. What is the great mystery about it? He came and formed the Earth. Geologists tell us that it was here millions of years ago. How do they know? They know nothing about it. But suppose it was here, what of it? Adam found it in a state of chaos, unorganized and incomplete. Philosophers, again, in talking of the development of the products of the earth, for instance, in the vegetable kingdom, say the little fibres grew first, then the larger vegetation. When this preparatory stage was completed then came the various orders of the animal creation and finally man appeared. No matter whether these notions are true or not, they're more or less speculative. Adam came here and got it up in the shape that would suit him to commence business. What is the great mystery about it? None that I have seen. The mystery in this? as with miracles, or anything else, is only to those who are ignorant. Father Adam came here, and then they brought his 135 wife. Well, says one, why was Adam called Adam? He was the first man on the earth, and its primer and maker. He, with the help of his brethren, brought it into existence. Then he said, I want my children who are in the spirit world to come and live here. I once dwelt upon an earth something like this, in a mortal state. I was faithful, I received my crown and exaltation. I have the privilege of extending my work, and to its increase there will be no end. I want my children that were born to me in the spirit world to come here and take tabernacles of flesh, that their spirits may have a house a tabernacle or a dwelling place as mind has, and where is the mystery? Now for Mother Eve. The evil principle always has and always will exist. Well, a certain character came along and said to Mother Eve, The Lord has told you that you must not do so and so, for if you do you shall surely die. But I tell you that if you do not do this, you will never know good from evil, your eyes will never be opened and you may live on the earth forever and ever, and you will never know what the gods know. The devil told the truth. What is the mystery about it? He is doing it today. He is telling one or two truths and mixing them with a thousand errors to get the people to swallow them. I do not blame Mother Eve. I would not have had her miss eating the forbidden fruit for anything in the world. I would not give a groat if I could not understand light from darkness. I can understand the bitter from the sweet, so can you. Here is intelligence, but bind it up and make machines of its possessors, and where is the glory or exaltation? There is none. They must pass through the same ordeals as the gods, that they may know good from evil. How to succumb attempted, tempted, tried and weak? and how to reach down the hand of mercy to save the falling sinner. The Lord has revealed His Gospel and instituted its ordinances that the inhabitants of the earth may be put in possession of eternal life. But few of them, however, will accept it. I have preached it to many thousands, 136 of them who are naturally just as honest as I am. But through tradition there is an overwhelming prejudice in their minds which devours them of that liberty I have in my heart. They would be glad to know the ways of God, and to know who Jesus is, and to reap the reward of the faithful, if they had a stamina, I will call it, the independence of mind necessary to embrace the truth to say, I know this is true, and if there is no other person on the face of this earth who will defend it, I will to the last. But this is not in their hearts, it is not in their organization, consequently they do not manifest it. What mystery is there about it? None whatever. What is the mystery in Jesus being the Son of God and at the same time the son of the Virgin Mary? You know what the infidels say about this, that their words are no worse than the practice of many in the Christian world. I do not want to be found fault with, but if I am it is all the same to me. There is no mystery to me in what God has revealed to me, or in what I have learned, whether it has been through Joseph, an angel, the voice of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of the Lord. No matter how I have learned a thing, if I understand it perfectly it is no mystery to me. It is like making one of these pulpits, or a house like this. This is no mystery to me, I dictated it, and a great many say it is a great piece of architecture to have a single span, so large as this roof and composed of wood that will sustain itself. But it is no mystery to me. I know the strength of the materials and how to place them together. It is no mystery to me to build a temple or a common house that you take a gentleman or lady who was never beyond the confines of a densely populated city, who never saw wheat grow, and who never saw cattle in the fields, and it is a great mystery to them to see them. Why? Because they never saw such things before, and they know nothing about them, but it is no mystery to those who know all about such things. Do you think it any mystery to angels to know how the various organizations abroad on earth not 137, the least in the world. There is no mystery in all this to the gods, no mystery in them to the prophets and apostles whom they send, and to whom they reveal them. It is all plain, everyday, common sense, just as much so with anything else in the world. M- we understand it. Some may say to me, Why, Brother Brigham, you seem to know it all. I say, Oh no. I know but very little, but I have an eternity of knowledge before me, and I never expect to see the time when I shall cease to learn, never, no never, but I expect to keep on learning forever and ever, going on from exaltation to exaltation, glory to glory, power to power, ever pressing forward to greater and higher attainments, as the gods do. That is an idea that drowns the entire Christian world in a moment. Let them try to entertain it, and they are out of sight of land without a ship, and if they had a ship it would have neither sail, rudder, or compass. What, say they, God progress? Now, do not larry at the God that I serve and say that he cannot learn any more. I do not believe in such a character. Why, say they, does not the Lord know it all? Well, if he does, he must know an immense amount. No matter about that, the mind of man does not reach that any more than it comprehends the heaven beyond the bounds of time and space in which the Christians expect to sit and sing themselves away to everlasting bliss, and where they say they shall live forever and forever. If we look forward, we can actually comprehend a little of the idea that we shall live forever and ever. But you take little aside and try and contemplate and meditate upon the fact that there never was a beginning and you were lost at once. The present and the future we can comprehend some little about, but the past is all a blank, and it is right and reasonable that it should be so. But if we are faithful in the things of God, they will open up, open up, open up. Our minds will expand, reach forth and receive more and more. And by and by we can begin to see that the gods have been forever and forever. 138-4. Lecture at the Vale by Brigham Young, February the 7th, 1877, Old John Nuttall, J.R.N.L. 1, 18-21, Works in the Temple Being Under Consideration, Pressed. Young was filled with the Spirit of God in Revelation and said, In the creation the gods entered into an agreement about forming this earth and putting Michael or Adam upon it. These things of which I have been speaking less than the temple endowment greater than or what are termed the mysteries of godliness. But they will enable you to understand the expression of Jesus, made while in Jerusalem, this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. We were once acquainted with the gods, and lived with them. But we had the privilege of taking upon us flesh, that the Spirit might have a house to dwell in. We did so and forgot all, and came into the world not recollecting anything of that which we had previously learned. We have learned a great deal about Adam and Eve, how they were formed, etc. Something that he was made like an adobe, and the Lord breathed into him the breath of life. For we read, From dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Well, he was made from the dust of the earth, but not of this earth. He was made just the same way you and I made, but on another earth. Adam was an immortal being when he came to this earth. He had lived on an earth similar to ours. He had received the priesthood and the keys thereof, and had been faithful in all things. And it gained his resurrection and his exaltation and was crowned with glory, immortality and eternal lives, and was numbered with the gods, for such he was through his faithfulness. And he has begotten all of the spirits that were to come to this earth. And Eve, our common mother who is the mother of all living, bore those spirits in the Siles, 139, shall world, and then this earth was organized by Loim. Jehovah and Michael, who is Adam, our common father. Adam and Eve had the privilege to continue the work of progression, consequently came to this earth and commenced the great work of forming tabernacles for those spirits to dwell in. And when Adam and those that assisted him had completed this kingdom, end-our earth, dash, he came to it and slept and forgot all and became like an infant child. It is said by the historian Moses that the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and took from his side a rib, and formed the woman that Adam called Eve. This should be interpreted that the man Adam like all other men had the seed within him to propagate his species, but the woman did not. She conceives the seed but she does not produce it. Consequently, she was taken from the side or bowels of her father. This explains the mystery of Moses' dark sayings in regard to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, when they were placed on this earth, were immortal beings of flesh, bones and sinews. (laughs) But upon partaking of the fruits of the earth, while in the garden and cultivating the ground, their bodies became changed from immortal to mortal beings, with blood coursing through their veins as the action of life. Adam was not under transgression until after he partook of the forbidden fruit. This was necessary that they might be together, that man might be. The woman was found in transgression, not the man. Now in the Lord's sacrifice we have the promise of a savior. And man had the privilege, and showed forth his obedience by offering the fruits of the earth and the phislings of the flocks. This showing that Jesus would come and shed his blood. Father Adam's oldest son, Jesus the Savior, who is the heir of the family, is Father Adam's first begotten in the spirit world, who according to the flesh is the only begotten as it is written. 140, in his divinity, he less than Adam greater than having gone back into the spirit world, and came in the spirit to Mary, and she conceived for when Adam and Eve got through with their work in this earth, they did not lay their bodies down in the dust, but returned to the spirit world from whence they came. 5. Comments by Brigham Young were included in Talijah's Women of Mormondom, 1877, and pages 196-200 are included here as an appropriate conclusion to this chapter when Brigham Young proclaimed to the nations that Adam was our father and God and Eve his partner the mother of the world and both in immortal and of celestial sense N- he made the most important revelation of the oracle to the race since the days of Adam himself this grand patriarchal revelation is the very keystone of that new creation of the heavens and the earth It gives new meaning to the whole economy of salvation as to the economy of creation. By the understanding of the works of the Father, the works of the Son are illumined. The revelation was that, let there be light, again pronounced. And there was light. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Here is the very object of man and woman's creation exposed in the primitive command. The first words of their genesis are be fruitful and multiply. So far it is a bit trifling moment how our first parents were created with like a brick the spittle of the Creator in the dust of the earth, or by the more intelligible method of generation. The prime object of man and woman's creation was for the purposes of creation. 141, Be fruitful, and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, by countless millions of your offspring. Thus opened creation, and the womb of everlasting motherhood throbbed with divine ecstasy. It is the divine command still. All other may be dark as a fable of the genesis of the race, but this is not dark. Motherhood to this our leaps for joy at this word of God. Be fruitful, and motherhood is sanctified as by the holiest sacrament of nature. We shall prefer Brigham's expounding of the dark passages of Genesis. Our first parents were not made up like mortal bricks. They came to be the mother and the father of a new creation of souls. We say mother now, first, for we are tracing this everlasting theme of motherhood in the Mormon economy, without which nothing of the woman part of the divine scheme can be known and ash next to nothing of patriarchal marriage, to which we are traveling, be expounded. Eve and Ash, immortal Eve and dash came down to earth to become the mother of the race. How become the mother of a world of mortals except by herself again becoming mortal? How become mortal only by transgressing the laws of immortality? How only by eating of the forbidden fruit and by partaking of the elements of a mortal earth in which the seed of death was everywhere scattered? All orthodox theologians believe Adam and Eve to have been at first immortal and all acknowledge the great command, be fruitful and multiply. That they were not about to become the parents of the world of immortals is evident, for they were on a mortal earth. That the earth was mortal all nature here today shows. The earth was to be subdued by deeming millions of mankind and the dying earth actually eaten, in a sense, the score of times, by the children of these grandparents. 142. The fall is simple. Our immortal parents came down to fall, came down to transgress the laws of immortality, came down to give birth to mortal tabernacles for a world of spirits. The forbidden tree, says Brigham, contained in its fruit the elements of death or the elements of mortality. By eating of it, blood was again infused into the tabernacles of beings who had become immortal. The basis of mortal generation is blood. Without blood no mortal can be born. Even could immortals have been conceived on earth, the trees of life had made but the paradise of the few. But a mortal world was the object of creation then. Eve, then, came down to be the mother of the world. Glorious mother, capable of dying at the very beginning to give life to her offspring that through immortality the eternal life of the gods might be given to her sons and daughters, motherhood the same from the beginning even to the end, the love of motherhood passing all understanding, thus read our Mormon sisters the fall of their mother, and the serpent tempted the woman with the forbidden fruit, did woman hesitate a moment then? Did motherhood refuse the cup for her own sake, or did she, with infinite love, take it and drink for her children's sake? The mother had plunged down, from the pinnacle of her celestial throne, to earth, to taste of death that her children might have everlasting life. What? Should have asked Adam to partake of the elements of death first, in such a sacrament? Would have outraged motherhood. Eve partook of that supper of the Lord's death first. She ate of that body and drank of that blood. Be it to Adam's eternal credit that he stood by and let our Mother Endash, our ever-blessed Mother Eve Endash, partake of the sacrifice before himself. Adam followed the Mother's example, for he was great and grand Endash, a father worthy indeed of the world. 143 He was wise, too. For the blood of life is the stream of mortality. What a psalm of everlasting praised a woman, that Eve fell first. A goddess came down from her mansions of glory to bring the spirits of her children down after her, in their myriads of branches and their hundreds of generations. She was again a mortal mother now, the first person in the trinity of mothers. The Mormon sisterhood take up their themes of religion with their mother Eve, and consent with her, at the very threshold of their temple, to bear the cross. Eve is ever with her daughters in the temple of the Lord their God. The Mormon daughters of Eve have also in this eleventh hour come down to earth, like her, to magnify the divine office of motherhood. She came down from her resurrected, they from their spirit, as fate. Here, with her, in the divine providence of maternity, they begin to ascend the ladder to heaven and to their exaltation in the courts of their father and mother God. Who shall number the blasphemies of the sectarian churches against our first grandparents? 10,000 priests of the serpent have thundered anathemas upon the head of a cursed Adam. Appalling, oftentimes their past rage. And even Dash, the holiest, grandest of mothers, and Dash has been made to vary by word to offset the frailties of the most wicked and abandoned. Very different is Mormon theology. The Mormons exalt the grandparents of our race. Not even is the name of Christ more sacred to them than the names of Adam and Eve. It was to them the politess and high priestess addressed to theme of invocation. And Brigham's proclamation that Adam is our father and God is like a hallelujah chorus to their everlasting names. The very earth shall yet take it up. All the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve shall yet shouted for joy to the ends of the earth in every tongue. 144. In spite of the clarity of these and other sermons on the subject of Adam God, yet continue to be an issue of long-standing controversy. Some leaders and members hailed it as a vitally important new revelation, while others apostatized because of it.
1: So we're going to open up the phone lines now for questions and comments uh, about the Adam God Doctrine, and we'll get into the reading and commentary portion of the program. After we're uh, through with the commentary portion of the program, we'll open up the phone lines for questions. ...and comments about theology. The guest call-in number... ...is 917-889-8827. And there will be a chat room available for questions and comments... ...during the live show. We go, if you're listening to this on the podcast... We try to go live Monday through Friday at 6 p.m., Mountain Standard Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. And you can find this program by searching blogtalkradio.com forward slash Fundamentally Mormon. Once again, the guest call-in line is 917-889-8827. If I do see that you have called in, I will bring you into the screening room, and then you can tell me what your question or comment is, and then if you would like to go live, I will bring you on. But if not, uh, I can take questions and comments off the air. So let's get into the reading.
3: All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll get into the reading and commentary portion of the program. Emmett, are you on? Yep. Okay, let me just, mom's on too. Mm -hmm. Kim, can you hear me? Kim, are you muted?
4: I am muted. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: Okay, so I've been sitting up here at the mine for an hour, and I'm just leaving, and I'm about to go into the void. Um, I should be able to hear you still, but um, I'm going to Huntington, so that'll be fun. So in about 50 minutes, an hour, I will cut out, and I won't be able to comment at all, because that's the way it is when you go to Huntington. But I'll take this one over, you know, running out of Skyline or Sufco or Bronco or wherever else. I love Lila, so Lila is my mine. Anyway, um, so Emmett, do you have the book ready to go? Yeah, Mom. Do you want to read or should I? <laughs> Mom. If well, you can I
4: would go. love to read. I would love to read, but I'm trying to get everything out of the car so that way I can go and do the food.
3: Yeah, and Emma can't cook anymore because our almost six-year-old decided to walk across our counter and countertop range, which is, was glass, and step on it or kneel on it or something on it, and then she shattered it. So I was supposed to work Saturday night, and right about the time I was getting ready to go to work, Kim found it, and uh, apparently she was trying to microwave the ice cream for ninety seconds, which Emmett caught
0: <laughs> yeah. anyway
3: we had to run we had to run from Emory County all the way up to the uh, International airport where the r c Willys warehouse is, and hurry up and get there before they closed at seven and uh get. A replacement which we did not install until three three thirty in the morning, something like that. Or finished installing I didn't go to bed until four. (laughs) Yeah, that was
0: tiring. (sighs)
3: About the time same time we finished, our favorite, one of our favorite Asian bistros in price burnt to the ground. Really? You didn't know that? Yeah, it was no, so it sad. Is. Yeah, the the brand new one that they opened about the same time we sent. So, Kim and I got fuel at the Maverick in Price at one in the morning, and then we went home and we got that thing that thing installed, and we didn't know about the fire. Um, but, but the next morning, about eleven a uh, eleven a.m., we were in Price, and Kim was driving. And Kim and Lydia, our daughter, and her boyfriend were talking and I saw yellow tape in the parking lot of the restaurant that we like. And I saw, I looked closer and I saw the windows were all busted out and then I noticed that there were fire trucks there. And I was like, I yelled an explicitive <laughs> It was like, what's wrong? (laughs) And I was like mad because, I mean, like in Price, Utah, we don't have a lot of really great places to eat. And that place just opened and they have really good pan-fried noodles and sushi. And I liked the customer service there, you know. So I was upset. and, And lots of people are upset in Price over this. It's not like the big city where you've got, like, a hundred or a thousand restaurants. You've got a couple. Anyway, so uh, Kim's like, what's wrong? And I I did a U-turn, and I went back, and I said, that's what's wrong. And then we pulled into the parking lot by just adjacent to it, and the whole place was completely gutted. They just opened it up, like, two months ago, maybe, and um, they'd been working on it for a long time, because it used to be an old Sonic. And then then it became um, a Bedos, which we like Beto's. It's a Mexican restaurant. So we were kind of upset to see that go. But then they were going to bring in this sushi bar, or sushi Asian restaurant. And we ate there a couple times. And I told my my 8-year-old daughter about how it burned down. And she saw which one. And I said, the one that you, when you went to see your friend in Price, when we dropped you off and Amberly and I went to eat at the restaurant, that's the one we ate at. And she said, did you die? And I said, yes, <laughs> Eliza, we died. And she says, so you're ghosts, but I can still see you. <laughs> she has an overactive imagination, <laughs> which we love. And Kim? Yeah. You need to, like, write down all of the sayings of Eliza, like, whenever you see him. What's that? I know. She, we had this microphone thing that changed her voice. It was, like, this little kid microphone thing that she'd talk into, and what, she was, like, four or five when... She did three. that. Yeah, three, and she says, "Mom, this is my shadow voice." Kim, yeah. Say, you're better at the memory of this than I am. Kim. Yeah. So.
4: Yeah, she w- she had this little microphone, and she used to walk around and you know just be like ah in it and stuff like that, and um say things in it and. Oh, sorry, I can't keep on yawning. I wonder why. Um so I I just thought she was so cute and I was like, Are you singing a song? She's like, No, I can hear my shadow voice And I'm like, Your shadow voice? And she was like, Yes, my shadow voice is talking back when I talk to it And I was like, Okay <laughs> Okay That <laughs> was so cute So
0: adorable. It's fun.
3: So- we love our kids. They're ridiculous. And I sat down with Amberly this morning. I said, do you realize that you breaking that stove makes it uh, cost so much money that I have to work a week straight just to pay for it? You and know what she I told said her to me she's this not morning? in trouble. I told her she's not in trouble because she didn't know because we didn't think that she would walk on the counter and on the stove. And she didn't know. And we... You know, whatever. What did she say this morning? The first thing she said. Oh, I'm just
4: gonna keep yawning. Um, the first thing she said this morning when she woke up, and she came into me, and she looked me straight in the face, and she goes, "Mom, I'm sorry for breaking your stove." But I think yeah. she was just apologizing because she wants to do fun things for her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> And her birthday is so like, coming if up If I apologize, Charlie. then can I still <laughs> I get all the I think that
3: she things? really is, uh, um, upset that she broke it. So I, I don't know. But anyway, so it is what it is, and it's part of life. And that's what it, you know, kids cost money. Sometimes they cost more at times than others. Know what I mean?
5: Yep.
4: Yep, but I'm just going to keep on yawning.
3: I know. I'm sorry. We're all tired. I I actually, uh, for the listening audience, the only way I can function doing the job that I do is lots of energy drinks. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think it's a miracle that I can even... Like last week, there were several days when I only got like four and a half to five hours of sleep. And that was it for the day. And somehow I was able to push through it. But when I worked in the oil field, we used to work from midnight until the job was done. And we would have to be back out there by midnight. So if we got off at 8 o'clock at night, it didn't matter we had to be back out there after only four hours of sleep. And we did six days on and we got three days off. And it paid really good, but it was really difficult. So, you know, I I think people can do more than what they think they can do if they push themselves. And uh, for $100,000 a year, I pushed myself at that job. I am glad I do not do it anymore really glad i'm done with oil films i will fall coal i like coal coal is great so anyway um okay so let's uh have Emmett start the reading so we're on page 129 of michael adam talking about the adam god doctrine this is selected sermons part two of chapter 12 And uh, we've only got, I think, two more chapters of this book and then it will be done. And since there is such a big uproar about polygamy and whether it is a thing or whether it isn't a thing or blah, 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 and I don't have time to address it all the time, but I'm going to, the next book that we do is going to be about polygamy and plural celestial marriage. And I don't know. I you know, the people that have decided that Jacob in the Book of Mormon completely outright says polygamy is an abomination, um, I'm sorry, but uh, if that were the case, then in the Torah, God would have said it, and he didn't. what he did say is that if you take another wife, this is what your duties are, and this is what I, how you're going to live it. And... Uh, and there's times when you have to take, even if you're even if you're already married, and your brother dies, and she uh, his wife hasn't had any children, you are required under Torah law to take that second wife and raise up children to the name of your passed away dead brother. That is one of the times when it is absolutely required that you live polygamy. But then there's other times where uh, there's something called multiplying wives, which Solomon and David did, which is wrong. And there's instructions about that too. So, um, and one of the reasons I know section 132 is a fabrication, at least in part, it's been tampered with, is because what David and Solomon did was against the Torah law, and in the Book of Mormon, the Thus saith the Lord revelation received by Jacob, God says what David and Solomon did was wrong, and the people during that time were still under the Mosaic law, under the Torah law, and they understood why doing what they were doing was wrong and why God was telling them to stop. But in the same revelation, God says that there is a time when polygamy is acceptable, when he commands it, to raise up seed. And and to tell you the truth, I don't know when there is a time in the history of this earth where it isn't a good thing for God's children to come on the earth to raise up seed unto God. So that being said, D&C section 132 contradicts the, the Bible and the Book of Mormon In that, it says that David and Solomon did no sin in what they did, uh, as far as polygamy goes. And Joseph Smith, April 1st, 1844, in the Times and Seasons, says, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you set them down as imposters. So with Brigham Young pulling this revelation out of a hat and canonizing it so late in his life, um, and with it contradicting both the Torah and the Book of Mormon, I have to do as Joseph Smith says, set him down as an imposter. And he claimed to have the keys, and he claimed to get the fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store. But it's funny, because in D&C section 124, Jesus says, that the Father has to come restore the fullness of the priesthood in the temple, not the red-brick store. And Jesus said that he would reject the church if certain requirements were met. They were not met. He said what would happen if they did do as he said. None of that did happen. He also said what would happen if they were disobedient, and that's exactly what happened. And part of the disobedient is that they would be rejected as a church with their dead. And the father never came to the temple. It was not restored in the red brick store like Brigham Young tried to get people to believe. And, and he contradicts the Bible and the Book of Mormon in that revelation that he fabricated. And then he said it was from Joseph Smith. Now, there is truth in 132, but you've got to have discernment to, to sift between Brigham Young's additions and the truth because they're not one in the same. Anyway, uh, so we'll be getting into that when uh, we finish this book in two chapters. So probably Thursday is when we'll start the new book. Um, And I'm not sure which one, it'll probably be polygamy in the Bible and then we'll get into plural celestial marriage after that. So anyway, Emmett, go ahead and start the reading. We're on page 129.
5: Yep. Hold on. Okay. Uh, two. Sermon by Brigham Young, April 25, 1855. Church archives. President Brigham delivered a lengthy and interesting lecture on theology. It was listened to with profound attention by the audience. Deseret News, May 2, 1855. This is eternal life, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Well, how can we learn by reading the history of Adam and Eve to know the Lord? If you were to hear the footsteps of the Lord, would you know from the history of Adam and Eve that it was the Lord coming? They knew his voice and his footsteps, for they had lived with him. And what I have upon this subject I now say. Adam had been with the Lord and had lived with him upon an earth like this and had been faithful and overcome and received his body and was resurrected and was well acquainted with the Lord and was one of his messmates. I don't know what that means. He had eaten and drank with him and had lived with him from generation to generation and in many worlds, probably while many had come into and gone out of existence.
3: Damn Yep. Uh, in the military, when all of the soldiers go to the cafeteria to have their food, they're going to the mess. So when he's talking about messmates... He's talking about people that he had eaten and drinking with. That's what it means. Weird. Yeah, that's military language,
5: which Kim and I understand because
3: we're both from the military, (laughs) kind of. Anyway, go ahead.
5: Okay, continuing on. And he helped to make this earth and brought the seeds with him that you see springing up spontaneously. And when he called, the elements came rolling together. Well, you see from this that when you and I have been with and lived with the Lord, we shall know his voice. If Father Adam were to come into this house and you were to see him go back and forth, would you know him? No. You would never mistrust it with him unless he revealed himself. But by the time that you have lived with him as long as Adam had before he came here, you will know him and recognize his footsteps. But reading the history will not teach you these things. Consequently, I come right down to ourselves and say we cannot know the only wise God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. No man can have this knowledge but those to whom God reveals it. Has he revealed it to you who he is, what he has to do with this world, and the relationship that he sustains to it? You must not be astonished when I tell you that the whole world, with the exception of the Latter-day Saints, for they do know something about God but the whole world besides are as far from that knowledge as the east is from the west though they read it in the bible yet it never enters into their hearts that the apostle told the truth when he says there is but one living and true God the father of our spirits well now who
1: is the father of our
5: spirits and we're on page 130 anything to say dad
1: no uh you're doing a good job
5: Okay, awesome. I add a little bit of a stuffy nose but that's (laughs) fine. I will tell you what I think about uh, some who will have something to do with us by and by. When Michael blows his trumpet and calls the world together, we shall then be before him and we shall be perfectly satisfied that he can pass all the judgment that we shall want and that the dominions of the wicked will want and that I have no doubt, but the saints that have, or that live and that have lived from the days of Adam will be satisfied. And he can give them kingdoms and powers, thrones and dominions, and influence in eternity. And when they get all that he can give, they will be satisfied and say it is enough. If we can get to him, the Ancient of Days, whose hair is like wool, a man of age, a man of experience, and can learn of him to understand, I am that I am, we shall... Then hear him say, I am your father and leader. I will be your front and your ro- uh, reward. Real reward. Real oh, that's a hard word. <laughs> I understand what this world is. I understand all about it. I have the government of the world in my hands, although to a certain extent my opposer, my enemy, has gained a certain influence in the world. You he will hear him say, I am in the whirlwind at my pleasure. I ride upon the storms and I govern the winds, I set up one king and put another down, and organize the empires and overthrow them at my pleasure. I the Lord do all these things. When we come to that great, wise, and glorious being, that the children of Israel <clears throat> That the children of Israel oh, I looked up, were afraid of
0: whose whose
5: countenance shone so that they could not look upon him. I say we get to him whom they cannot look upon to that man, that is, I conclude that is, I conclude that he was a man, for it says for it says that he oh, says uh, it says that he put his hands out before Moses in the cleft of the rock until his glory passed by, and would suffer or would not suffer Moses to see his face, but his back parts only, seeing that he had parts, I conclude that he was a man. When we can see that very character and talk and live with him in our tabernacles, if we are so fortunate as to get there into his society, then we can say that to us, there is but one living and true God. And he is, our, is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ and of our spirits. And when we get back to him and learn he is actually our father, we shall not feel any anxiety to call upon anything else for the blessings we are in need of. It is subject, or it is a subject I am aware that does not appear so clear to our understandings at present, as we could wish it, or as it will someday. And it is one that should not trouble us at all. All such things will become more clear to your mind by and by. And that is the end of page 131. Do you have anything to say?
3: Um, just that, uh, so we were talking about how Brigham supposedly gave us a- speech when they were trying to figure out who should be the leader of the church, which uh, Joseph Smith didn't pick any of them, but then Jesus Christ said that he was going to reject the church, so I don't even know, you know, what the heck they were thinking. But maybe they just didn't remember that thing that, you know, God said to Joseph Smith in 1841. But, you know, when Moses was in the presence of, of God, the glory of God came down upon Moses. And he had to have a veil placed over his face so that the people could look towards him because his, his countenance was so bright. Um, Kim, I'm going to ask you a question here in a minute, but why couldn't God do that to Brigham Young? The fact of the matter is, this thing that supposedly Brigham Young looked and talked like Joseph Smith, nobody wrote it down contemporary to the actual event. It wasn't until years and years and years that people began saying that that happened. And some of the people, some of the leaders who became leaders of the Brighamite Church, they were like, I remember the day when I saw Brigham Young's face change to be like joseph smith sorry but that date that you give for the time that that happened you were in england or they were on freaking missions or wherever they weren't even there you know and uh, it just drives me nuts like people think that they can lie for god now kim are you unmuted Kimberly. I am now. Okay. So I just want you to be a witness to the people. About the glory of God resting upon a person. You've never seen that happen to me, but you have you have spoken to people who have seen it. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um Like um, the man who uh, we used to talk to at the Provo Rec Center. um, Yeah. He um, saw it and um, mentioned it, said something about it, that he saw light emanating out of your head.
3: Yeah, but he didn't say it the day of. He said the next day, and that's the last day we ever saw him, I think. I think he was moving, and he said, I just wanted to tell you, when you were telling me about God and your witness of God, there was light coming out of you, and I didn't want to say anything, but, but he did. He did the next day,
0: yeah.
3: and that, he's not the only one that has seen that. Jim has not seen that. I don't know. I, don't, I can feel it when it's happening but I never know if people can see it because I don't know if their eyes are open to it or not. But I feel it when it's happening. And um, I've had other people, people that I've been preaching to and sharing my witness of God. Like there was, a, there was three guys I was talking to in the, uh, the Flying J near Boise, Idaho, and there was only three of us in there. And one of them was so astonished because he saw it. But the other two saw nothing. So I don't know, I don't control it, but sometimes that's a witness. But that never happened to Brigham Young. In fact, he never saw God. He lamented about it. And when they were chosen uh, to be set apart to be apostles, they were told that Jesus Christ had to come down and fill the ordination upon their heads. And that never happened to any of them. Because the church was rejected. And Emma, she knew it. She knew the church was rejected. So when people condemn her for not following after one group or the other, that's why. She knew that the church had been rejected. They they did uh, choose Joseph Smith III to try to preserve some of the stuff that had been uh, established and restored. And there's a lot of things that were uh, res- um preserved in the LDS church under the direction of Brigham Young as well. But they were cursed for the third and fourth generation, which was 160 years after the revelation was given. And uh, Lyman White even talked about it, and the RLDS church has that talk, where Lyman White in 1843, before Joseph was dead, talked about how they knew the church had been rejected because they had not been obedient to what God had asked them to do. And that further principle is if we do not do as God asks us to do, we'll be rejected too as a church, as a people, and individually. So as the LDS church has gone further and further away from the true endowment, the true washings and the anointings, the true – Reality of who Jesus and Jehovah are. Uh, they've changed the Book of Mormon. Um, like how many times was that that book? Or we just bought at Sam Weller's bookstore. Was it like thirty nine hundred and something times that the Book of Mormon's been changed? And most of it's little stuff, but there is doctrinal changes in the Book of Mormon even, and in the in the Doctrine and Covenants as well, because people think that they can lie for the Lord and, you know, make things fit their narrative and change things and, oh, the meaning's not changed. That's what I hear from LDS people who are apologizing for the church and their bad behavior. Oh, it doesn't matter. They can do that. They, they can take out the penalties. Oh, we don't even know what those are because they twist that all. But, you know, the penalties aren't what you think they are. But, um, but they change. They hide things. They hide uh, First Vision accounts. Uh, they hide other things, too. They hide the Doctrine uh, and Covenant section on monogamy because Brigham Young wanted to live plural, plural marriage, but he was multiplying wives, which is against the Torah. So, And somebody said the other day, oh, you just make it up as you go along. I'm sorry, if you read the Book of Mormon with a Gentile mindset and you do not understand that these were Israelite people and that they lived Torah law and you don't understand what Torah law is, then you will interpret the Book of Mormon through your Gentile eyes and you will not understand what they are talking about and you will twist things out of context and then you'll come up with the, oh, God thinks, Polygamy is an abomination in all circumstances. You only show your ignorance when you do those type of things. Because Jesus Christ didn't even condemn it when he was upon the earth. And neither did Jehovah when he, he gave the Torah. So anyway, what page are we on, Emmett?
5: Oh, I believe we are on page... I'm just looking at it. I think 131.
3: Um, It's something around, I I tell you this as my belief about yeah, we're on that person. Uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'll mute myself. Oh, did Kim have anything to say about any of that?
5: No, Kim is cooking, she says.
3: <laughs> okay. Love you, Kim. Okay, go ahead, Emma.
5: She said, love you. <laughs> okay, I tell you this as my belief about that personage who is called the Ancient of Days, the Prince, and so on. But I do not tell it because that I wish it to be established in the minds of others. Though to me this is as clear as the sun, it is as plain it is as plain as my alphabet. I understand it as I do the path to go home. I did not understand it until my mind became enlightened with the Spirit and by the revelations of God. Neither will you understand until our Father in Heaven reveals all those things to you, or unto you. To my mind and to my feelings, those matters are all plain and easy to understand. Three, Sermon by Brigham Young, June 18th to 1873. Deseret Weekly News, uh, Volume 22, pages 308 and 309. I wanted to make a few remarks upon the subject touched upon by my brothers. But I shall not have the time. I frequently think in my uh, meditation, yeah, I think it's meditation, how glad we should be to instruct the word or the world with regard to the things of God. If they would hear and receive our teachings in good and honest hearts and profit by them, I have been found fault with a great many times for casting reflections upon men of science and especially upon theologians. I think that's right. Because of the little knowledge they possess about man being on the earth, about the earth itself, about our Father in heaven, his Son Jesus Christ, the order of heavenly things, the laws by which angels exist, by which the worlds are created and are held in existence, etc. How pleased we would be to place these in existence, or no, I, I read, where did that go? To place these things before the people if they would receive them. How much unbelief exists in the minds of the Latter-day Saints in regard to one particular doctrine which I revealed to them and which God revealed to me, namely that Adam is our father and God. I do not know. I do not inquire. I care nothing about it. Our father Adam helped to make this earth. It was created expressly for him, and after it was made, he and his companions came here. He brought, he brought one of his wives with him, and she was called Eve because she was the first woman upon the earth. Our Father Adam is, a, or is the man who stands at the gate and holds the keys of everlasting life and, uh, uh, and salvation to all his children, who have or whoever will come upon the earth. I have been found fault with the ministers of religion because I have said they were ignorant, but I could not find any man on the earth who could tell me this, although it is one of the simplest things in the world. Until I met and talked with Joseph Smith, it is a great mystery that the earth exists. Or is it, not it is. Is it a great mystery that the earth exists? <laughs> is it a great mystery that the world cannot solve that man is on the earth? Yes, it is. But to whom? To who the ignorant, or no, to the ignorant, those who know nothing about it, it is no mystery to those who understand. It is a mystery to the Christian world that Jesus is the Son of God. And it's still the son of man. Yes, it is. Uh, I keep reading, reading, is it, and it is backwards. Yes, it is. It is hidden from them, the scripture. If our gospel be hidden, it is hid to them that are lost, who have no faith, and who pay no attention to the spirit of God. These things are called mysteries by the spirit because they know nothing about them. Just like what laying hands on the sick. Um, Now on page 133 It is a mystery that fever should be rebuked And the sick healed by the laying on of the hands of a man Who is endowed with the authority from God And has been ordained to that gift Oh yes, say the ignorant, we know nothing about it That is true, but where is the mystery? Will the ignorant receive the truth when they hear it? No, they will not And this is their condemnation, that light has come into the world, and that they choose darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. That is the fact in the case. Um, Did you have something to say? I heard you unmute yourself. Uh,
3: Yeah, um, when you read your page number, whatever, don't finish, don't just stop, just keep on reading the quote, and then stop.
5: Do you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I heard you. Um, but I just, yeah. like, read through two different page numbers, and I was like, i got to get through one of them and say one. So I finished the sentence I was on, and I was like, oh, okay.
3: Yeah. When you finish a statement, whether it's by Ogden Crowder, or Brigham Young or Joseph Smith or whoever, and there is a page number in the middle of the statement of whoever, finish the statement, <laughs> and then say the page number and give me an opportunity to respond.
4: Can I say something completely unrelated? Go ahead. <laughs> this it's stove
3: this is cooks,
4: it boils. It goes from not cooking at all to completely boiling in less than three minutes. It is ridiculous. And I almost boiled something over on it. scared me a little bit, and that's what was going on. Okay, now you know.
3: Oh, okay. So cool.
5: um, with, with the we were going to update...
3: We were going to update the appliances in the house anyway, so um, we weren't planning on it right now, but it was, uh, you know. So Kim is, Kim is very happy about her new appliance, and I am happy <laughs> for her, but she will not let anybody touch it. And I told Emmett, if he sneezes in the other room and the droplets <laughs> of his sneeze fly through the air and somehow land on the – it's not a stove, it's a range. And they somehow land on the countertop range, Emmett will be in trouble for touching the the range. (laughs) That is how serious we are. (laughs) It's very serious. Yeah. So, I – yeah. So, anyway. um, Okay, I did want to say something about – what Brigham Young was talking about. So Joseph Smith actually talked about like I try to get the saints prepared to me uh, to receive the things of God, but oftentimes if it goes against their traditions, they fly apart like glass. Okay, and then he said some about I try I try to like get the things of uh, God into the heads of the people, but it's like trying to split apart a pumpkin with a corn dodger for a wedge and a pumpkin for a hammer, basically. And, you know, like that's the state of the church today. Like when the converts, early converts, came in, they knew the Book of Mormon was true. They know Joseph Smith was a prophet. But he better not teach them anything different than what their traditions are, or he's a fallen prophet. You know, um, I can't remember the two leaders, William Law, Lyman White, whoever, that wrote the expositor, they were mad because he was like collecting tithing to build a temple, which God told him to do. They were also mad because of two other points of doctrine that they didn't agree with because, you know, they're the big bad elders that know everything. Like, God forbid God speak to a prophet and give some instruction about their restoration. The whole point of a restoration is that when mankind gets a hold of the things of God, Satan gets into their flipping heads, and they they like, you know, they will pervert the doctrine, and over time, deeper doctrines will be lost, because Satan doesn't want you to know who Heavenly Mother is, or Heavenly Father, or... Adam or Michael or Haba, or Shorah. He doesn't want you to know who Jesus is. He wants to pervert your thought process on who Jesus and Jehovah are, which are two separate individuals. He wants to screw everything up. He doesn't want you to kneel for sacrament either, even though God said that they shall all kneel and drink from one cup. Oh, we're not going to worry about that anymore. He doesn't want you to drink the wine because there's symboli- a symbolism in the wine of sacraments. Oh, water's okay. Even though in that uh, particular Doctrine and covenant section 120 or 29, I think it is, it doesn't say water anywhere in that revelation. It says make wine or strong drink to partake of your sacraments, or to partake of your sacraments, which... Uh, it's important because it has to be a fermented drink. And if you live in a northern region where grapes are not available, God is okay with you using whiskey or bourbon or scotch or whatever, gin or sacrament. But they've got, uh, you know, President uh, Heber J. Grant during the Prohibition era is like, Oh, well, we should use water. It doesn't say that. When Bruce R. McConkie wrote the section heading to the Doctrine and Covenants that said, it's okay to use water, it doesn't say that. Now, there's something about me that I don't talk about a lot, but I was severely abused as a child, and I suffered for a long time from post-traumatic stress disorder, and I also suffer from another mental illness, if you will, called borderline personality disorder borderline personality disorder people, we see things in black and white we do not justify what we see or what we hear and with the gospel I do not justify or make apologies for the bad actions of individuals who try to change it because that's how the apostasy happens if God says that something needs to be done in a certain way then that is exactly what he meant And we do not have the right, even if we're the Lord's anointed, because guess what? You can be a prophet and fall. Even if Brigham Young was a prophet, he can fall. Hubert J. Grant, even if he was the Lord's anointed, which I don't believe he was, he can fall. They can still screw things up. In the Old Testament, it talks about a prophet who was instructed specifically not to go to another prophet's house and... Whatever, And then he did what he was told not to do And there were both prophets But he fell And then he was killed God allowed him to be destroyed For uh, for obeying the arm of flesh Over the specific word of God That was given to him When God gives us a thing And he tells us This is the way it must be done That is the way it must be done And these apologists That they Mormons and all of the other apologists and the church leaders that think they can change a thing just because of the times are imposters, and you need to go away from them, and you shouldn't be trusting in the arm of flesh. And I, and I'm almost to Emory County, so I'm going to break up. So I mute myself. Go ahead, Emmett.
5: Okay. <clears throat> It is a mystery that fever should be rebuked and the sick healed by the laying on of hands of a man who is endowed with the authority and has been ordained to that God? Oh, yes, said the ignorant, we know nothing about it. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Oh, yes, we know nothing about it. That is true, but where is the mystery? Will the ignorant receive the truth when they hear it? No, they will not. This is their condemnation. That light has come into the world, and they chose darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That is the fact in the case. When is the mystery about it? They do not understand, or what is the mystery about it? They do not understand invisible things. Ask of the wicked, do you know anything about the laying on of hands? Oh, yes, such a man, a man who is wicked in his whole life, has the art of laying on of hands for curing the toothaches, fevers, wounds, etc., and now, in fulfillment with the words of the ancient prophet, thousands of people speak unto wizards who peep and mutter, etc, but they do, or they will not speak unto the living God. I can say to all the innovations or inhabitants of the earth ugh, of this earth that before what is called spiritualism, was ever known in America. I told the people that if they would not believe the revelations that God had given. He would suffer the devil to give revelations that they, priests and people, would follow after. Where did I declare this? In the cities of New York, Albany, Boston, throughout the United States, and in England. Have I seen this fulfilled? I have. I told people that as true as God lived, if they would not have truth, they would have error sent unto them, and they would believe it what is the mystery of it? The Christian world read of and think much about it. Saint Paul, also Saint Peter, the chief of the apostles, these men were faithful and managed or no, and magnified the priesthood while on the earth. Now we'll, now where will be the mystery after they have passed through all the ordeals, they have been or, and have been crowned and exalted and received their inheritances in the eternal world were worlds of glory. Oh, I'm having like tongue twister. For them to be sent forth as gods have been forever and ever with the command, make yourselves an earth and people it with your own children. Do you think that the starry heavens are going to fall? Do the Christian world or the heathen world think that all things are going to be wrapped up, consumed, and annihilated in eternal flames? Oh, fools, and slow of heart to believe the great things that God has purposed in his own mind. Uh, now we are on page 134. My brother said that God is as we are. He did not mean those words to be literally understood. He meant simply that our organizations are or in our organization. We have all the properties in the embryo, in our bodies, that our father has in his. Or in embryo in her bodies That father has in his And that literally morally socially By the spirit and by the flesh We are his children Do you think that God who holds the eternities In his hands and can do all things In his pleasure Is not capable of sending forth his own children And forming this flesh For his own offspring Where is the mystery in this We say that Father Adam came here and helped to make the earth Who is he he is Michael, a great prince, and it is said to him by Elohim, Go ye and make an earth. What is the great mystery about it? He came and formed the earth. Geologists tell us that it was here millions of years ago. How do they know? They know nothing about it. But suppose it was here. What of it? Adam found it in a state of chaos, unorganized and incomplete. Philosophers, again, in talking, uh, talking of the development of the products of the earth, for instance in the vegetable kingdom, say the little fibers grew first, then the larger vegetation, when this preparatory stage was completed, then finally came to the various orders of the animal creation. And finally man appeared, no matter whether these notions are true or not, they are more or less speculative. Adam came here and got it in a, got it up in a shape that would suit him uh, to come, to commence business. What is the great mystery about it? None that I have seen. The mystery in this, as with miracles or anything else, is only to those who are ignorant. Father Adam came here and then brought his wife. Well, says one, why was Adam called Adam? He was the first man on earth and its framer and maker. He, with the help of his brethren, brought it into existence. Then he said, I want my children who are in the spirit world to come and live here. I once dwelt upon the earth for something like this, in a moral state." In a mortal state, I was faithful. I received my crown in exaltation. I have the privilege of extending my work, and to its increase, there will be no end. I want my children that were born to me in the spirit world to come here and take tabernacles of flesh, that their spirits may have a house, a tabernacle, or a dwelling place as mine has. And where is the mystery? Now for Mother Eve, the evil principle. Oh, yeah, we're on page 135, by the way. Now, for Mother Eve, the evil principle always has and always will exist. Well, a certain character came along and said to Mother Eve, If the Lord told you that, you must not do so, and so. For if you do, you shall surely die. But I tell you that if you do do not do this, you will never know good from evil. Your eyes will never be opened, and you may live on the earth forever and ever. And you will never know what the gods know. The devil told the truth. Uh, the devil told the truth. What is the mystery about it? He is doing it today. He is telling one or two truths and mixing them with a thousand errors to getting people to swallow them, or to get the people to swallow them. I do not blame Mother Eve. I would not have had her miss eating the forbidden fruit for anything in the world. I would not, I would not give a gross if I could not understand light from darkness. What does that mean? <laughs> I can understand the bitter from the sweet, so can you. Here is the intelligence, but bind it up and make machine to its possessors. And where the, where is the glory or exaltation? There is none. They may pass, or they must pass through the same ordeals as the gods, that they may know good from evil, how to uh, succor the tempted, uh, tired and weak, and how to reach down the hand of mercy and save the falling sinner. The Lord has revealed His gospel, and instituted its ordinances that the inhabitants of the earth may be put in possession of eternal life, but few of them, however, will accept it. I have preached it to many thousands of them who are naturally just as honest as I am, but through tradition there is an overwhelming prejudice in their minds which debar[s] them of that liberty I have in my heart. They would be glad to know the ways of the Lord and to know who Jesus is and to reap the reward of the faithful if they have the stamina, I will call it, the independence of mine necessary to embrace the truth to say, I know this is true, and there is no other uh, person on the face of the earth who will defend it. I will to the last. Oh, if there is no other person on the face of the earth who defend it, I will to the last. But this is not in their hearts. This is not in their organization. Consequently, they do not manifest it. What mystery is there about it? None whatsoever. What is the mystery in Jesus being the Son of God? and at the same time, son of the Virgin Mary. You know what the infidels say about this, but their words are no worse than the practice of many in the Christian world. We're on page 136 now. Is there anything anyone has to say, mom, dad, person?
3: I do. You're doing a good job. Okay. okay. Um, are you me. using your headset chat because it keeps on bumping up against something and creating that audio?
5: Um. No, I'm not using my headset. I'm in the office, so it's quiet.
3: I really, I mean, really wish that you would use your headset when they ask you to use your headset.
5: I know. I couldn't
3: find it. it wasn't I, I don't hear it.
4: the bad audio. I only hear I, it sounds normal to me.
3: Oh, he keeps on bumping yep. into stuff, and they are moving around. And uh, Anyway, um, okay, so I didn't move what I have at to all. say... Okay, well, when you get done with the program today, you need to find the headset and plug it in in the office and do not use it until you are ready to do the radio show tomorrow, because I need you to use the headset. It's clear audio. uh, It's clear audio. I need you to use the headset. Okay, so with all that being said, Brigham Young received all of the deeper doctrines that he is teaching from Joseph Smith. He did not understand multiple mortal probations or the progression of the gods. Not the way Joseph Smith understood it. Um, And you know what? Like Lori Rowe, I think, uh, Laura Rowe, she like, I think that's her name, she like talked about multiple mortal probations too. Satan gives truth and he twists, I'm sorry, twists it up, you know. I didn't get this information from Joseph Smith, and I didn't get it from Laura Rowe or Lori Rowe or what the heck ever her name is. I got it from God. That's why I understand it so specifically. And when I read these quotes of Brigham Young about children born in the spirit world to Michael Michael Adam, I know that he doesn't understand multiple mortal probations, the law of adoption, not fully, or the progression of the gods. He had some information from Joseph Smith, which he believed, and he probably knew it was true, and he added his own context to it, which was incorrect. And for those of you Brighamites who continue to follow Brigham Young, um, place your arm or your your mind or your trust in the arm of flesh, even though it's Brigham Young, is still against what God has asked us to do. You've got to get revelation for yourself. Even hearing it from me, you still have to get revelation for yourself. There was truth in what Brigham said, but there was also error in what he and others said. But they knew that there was truth there, and then they added things to it, which they shouldn't have added because, sorry, they didn't understand it, not fully. When Michael was a Redeemer on an older earth he paid for the sins of that world in a garden of gethsemane type of event and he sealed it on a cross type of event however that happened the same thing with Jehovah our elohim he was and he was a redeemer on an older earth when jesus did that for us on this earth he paid for our sins in the garden of gethsemane and sealed it upon the cross And we become his children, and he becomes our father through the law of adoption. Misunderstanding how Jesus is the father and the son is where we get the Trinity doctrine from, which is a perversion of the truth. When Michael paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane, we were his under the law of adoption, and we become his as we put off our resurrection from that earth, and go upon in the spirit world, which is the older earth, and we come upon this earth into new mortal bodies, God allows that so that we can have the experiences that we need to continue to progress and gain a higher level of resurrection. This earth is not the first. It will not be the last. And it's not the first one that we have lived upon. Michael was our savior on an older earth. He became our father through the law of adoption and through the atonement that he provided as God the Redeemer on that earth. And that is how we become his spiritually and physically because he became an Adam and provided the mortal bodies to come down upon this earth. That's how we became his. Eve didn't have us do some kind of carnal childbirth experience where she birthed billions and billions and hundreds of billions of spirits. We became hers because she was filled to Michael, who was the redeemer of an older earth. Same way we are Mary Magdalene's children and Jesus is our father on this earth. And he will be an Adam in the next mortal probation or next mortal round, eternal round, if you will. So anyway, I am going up towards Huntington Power Plant. Uh, There's a couple of places where my phone will drop. I will try to be on, but I may not be able to talk for a little bit, uh, which is good because Emmett can read and I don't have to interrupt him. But I want people to understand that just because Brigham said it doesn't mean we understand. We can misinterpret what he is saying, and he also misinterpreted what Joseph Smith was trying to teach. 'cause he didn't completely understand it. But he did more than anybody else. Uh well, I don't know, maybe Heber C. Kimball understood it as well as Brigham, but still there's still error in it. So all right, I'm gonna mute myself. I will let you know when I come back down, which will probably be in about twenty minutes. So go ahead and just read until I interrupt you again.
5: Okay. Hold on. Okay. Okay. And I believe we are on page 137.
3: Oh, one last thing before I oh. mute myself. When I am recording on the phone, I don't touch the phone. When I do my recordings to begin the program, I don't touch the phone. Because every time you even touch the phone, you can hear it in the audio. So just... To let you be aware, maybe you should put the phone on the desk and read into it. But go ahead, Emma.
5: That's what I have. I have it on the book right now, and I have the book laying down on the desk. So, like, I don't even okay. have to be holding it. I can just so. Yeah.
3: Every time you have to switch pages, you're going to be touching the phone. So maybe you should put it on the bed. Okay. Anyway, go ahead, Emma.
5: Okay, got it. <clears throat> We're right there. Amen. So, like, I read through part of it and I was looking at it. Um, Okay. I do not want to be found fault with, but if I am, it is all the same to me. There is no mystery to me in what God has uh, revealed to me or what I've learned. Whether it has been through Joseph Smith, an angel, the voice of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, or the Spirit of the Lord. No matter how I have learned a thing, if I understand it perfectly, it is no mystery to me. It is like making one of these pulp- pulpits or a house like this. It is no mystery to me. I dictated it, and in a great many say or and a great many say it is a great piece of architecture to have a single stand so large as this roof and composed of wood that will sustain itself, but it is no mystery to me. I know the strength of the materials and how to place them together. It is no n- mystery to me to build a temple or a common house. But so you take a gentleman or a lady who has never beyond the confines of a densely, yes, yeah, who was never beyond the confines of a densely populated city, who never saw wheat grow, and who never saw cattle in the fields, and it is great mystery to see, or to them to see them. Why? Because they never saw such things before. And they know nothing about them, but it is no mystery to those who know all such things or are all about such things. Do you think it any mystery to angels to know how the various organizations are brought on earth? Not the least in the world. There is no mystery in all this to the gods, no mystery in them, to the prophets and apostles whom they send, and to whom they reveal them. It is all plain. Uh, it is all plain, everyday common sense. Just as much so with anything else in the world, we understand it. Some may say to me, Why, Brother Brigham Young, or Brother Brigham, oh, you seem to know it all. I say, Oh, I know, but very little. But I expect an eternity of knowledge before me, or but I have an eternity of knowledge before me, and I never expect to see the time when I shall come, or oh, oh, when I shall cease to learn. Never, no, never. But I expect to keep on learning forever and ever. Going on from exaltation to exaltation, glory to glory, power to power, ever pressing forward to a greater and higher attainment, as the gods do. This is an idea that drowns the entire Christian world in a moment. Let them try to entertain it, and they are out of sight of land without a ship. And if they have a ship, it would have neither sail, rudder, nor compass. What, say they, God progress? Now do not Larry at the God that I serve and say that he cannot learn any more. I do not believe in such a character. Why say they, does not the Lord know it all? Well if he dies, he must know an immense amount. No matter about that. The mind of man does not Oh the mind of man does not reach that any more than it comprehends the heaven beyond the bounds of time and space in which Christians expect to sit and sing themselves away to everlasting bliss, and where they say they shall live forever and ever. If we look forward, we can actually comprehend a little of the idea that we shall live forever and ever, but you take a rear sight and try to contemplate and mediate upon the fact that there never was a beginning, and you are lost at one. The present and future we can comprehend some little about, but the past is all a blank. It is right and reasonable that it should be so. But if we are faithful in the things of God, they will open up, open up, open up. Our minds will expand, reach forth, and receive more and more. And by and by, we can begin to see that the gods have been forever and ever. Now we're on page 138. You have anything to say, Mom, Dad?
3: Nope.
5: Okay, let me check the studio real quick. There is not currently anyone in the studio, so I'm just going to keep reading. Four. lectures of available by Brigham Young, February 7th, 1877, L. John Metal Journal. Uh, I don't know if it's volume or chapter, but volume one, page 18 to 21. I'm going to say. Works in the temple under consideration. President Young was filled with the spirit of God in Revelation and said, In the creation, the gods entered into an agreement about forming this earth and putting Michael or Adam upon it. These things which I have been seeking, the temple endowment, are what are termed the mysteries of godliness or godliness. But they will enable you to understand the expression of Jesus made while in Jerusalem. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, were once acquainted with the gods and lived with them, but we had the privilege of taking upon us flesh that the spirit might have a house to dwell in. We did so, uh, forgot all, and came into the world, not recollecting anything of that which we had previously learned. We have learned a great deal about Adam and Eve, how they were formed, etc., Some think that he was made like an adobe, and the Lord breathed into him the breath of life. For we read, from dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Well, he is made from the dust of the earth, but not of this earth. He was made just the same way you and I are made, but on another earth. Adam was an immortal being when he came to this earth, and had lived on an earth similar to ours. He had received the priesthood and the keys thereof. And had been faithful in all things, and had gained in his resurrection, or no, he had gained his resurrection, and his exaltation, and was crowned with glory, immortality, and eternal life. And was numbered with the gods, for such he was through his faithfulness. And he had begotten all of the spirits that were to come to this earth, and Eve, our common mother, who is the mother of all living, for those spirits in the celestial world, and then this earth was organized by Elohim, Jehovah, and Michael, who was Adam, our common father. Adam and Eve had the privilege to continue the work of progression, um, consequently came to this earth to commenced the great work of forming tabernacles for those spirits to dwell in. We're on page 139. And when Adam and those that assisted him had completed this kingdom, our earth, he came to it and slept and forgot all and became like an infant child. It is said by the historian Moses that the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam and took from his side a rib and formed the woman that Adam called Eve. This should be interpreted that the man Adam, like all other men, had the seed within him to propagate his species. But the woman did not. She seize the seed, but she does not produce it. Consequently, she was taken from the sides as from the side or bowels her father. She was taken from the side or bowels of her father. This explains the mystery of Moses, dark Moses's dark sayings in regard to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, when they were placed on this earth, were immortal beings of flesh, bones, and sinews. But upon partaking of the fruits of the earth while in the garden, and cultivating, in the, uh, cultivating the ground. Their bodies became changed from mortal beings to mortal beings, with blood coursing through their veins as the action of life. Adam was not under transgression until he partook of the forbidden fruit. This was necessary that they might be together, that man might be. The woman was found in transgression, not the man. Now, in the law of sacrifice, we have the promise of a savior, and a man had the privilege and showed forth his obedience by offering the fruits of this earth in the firstlings of the flock, showing that Jesus would come and shed his blood. Father Adam's oldest son, Jesus, the savior, who is the heir of the family is father Adam's first begotten in the spirit world, who according to the flesh is the only gotten as it is written in his divinity. He, Adam, having gone back into the spirit world and came to the, earth, came in the spirit to Mary and she, conceived for when adam and eve got through with their works in this earth they did not lay their bodies down in the dust but returned to the spirit world from whence they came now we're on page 140 and at the end of that quote anything to say anyone you have anything to say mom or dad i'm going to take that no
4: i'm i'm i am listening i'm still here i'm trying to get stuff ready for when he comes down off the thing so that we can bring it to him. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm doing and it's taking a lot to get it done.
5: Okay. Okay. Well I I'm gonna keep reading this. Um we okay. are actually um we only have about a page left to go, which is pretty good. Okay. Um. Yeah. Sounds really windy for some reason, so I think you should mute yourself.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
5: Okay, continuing on. Uh, five. Comments by Brigham Young were included in College's Woman of Mormonism, 1877, and pages 196 to 200 are included here as an appropriate conclusion to this chapter. Hold on. <laughs> oh. When Abraham Young proclaimed to the nations that Adam was our father and God, and Eve his partner, the mother of the world or of a world, both in an a mortal and celestial sense, he made the most important important revelation ever oracled to the race since the days of Adam himself. This grand patriarchal revelation is the very keystone of the new creation of the heavens and the earth. It gives new meaning to the whole economy of salvation as to the economy of my creation. By the understanding of the works of the Father, the works of the Son are illuminated. The revelation was the let there be light, again pronounced, and let there be light. That confuses me a little bit, that way I used to bet. And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, created he him male and female created event. and God blessed them and God said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it um, here is the very object of man and woman's creation exposed in the primitive command the first words of their genesis are be fruitful and multiply so far it is of but trifling er, moment how our first parents were created that is a confusing phrase, again. Whether like a brick, fiddle of the creator and the dust of the earth, or by more intelligible method of generation, the prime object of man and woman's creation was for the purposes of creation. Now on page 141. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it by countless millions of your offspring. Thus open creation and the womb of everlasting motherhood, throbbed with divine ecstasy. As or er, it is the divine command still, all other may be dark as it er all other may be dark as a fable of the genesis of the race, but this is not dark. Motherhood to this hour leaps for joy at this word of God. Be fruitful and motherhood is sanctified as by the holiest sacrament of nature. We shall prefer Brigham's expounding of the dark passages of Genesis. Our first parents were not made up like mortal bricks. They came to be the mother and father of a new creation of souls. We say mother now first, for we are tracing this everlasting theme of motherhood in the Mormon economy, without which nothing of the woman part of the divine scheme can be known. Next to nothing of patriarchal marriage, which we are traveling, be extended, or to which we are traveling, be expanded. Eve, immortal Eve, came down to earth to become the mother of a race. How become, or, how become the mother of a world of mortals except by herself again becoming mortal? How become mortal only by transgressing the laws of immortality? How only by eating the for, for, oh, by eating of the forbidden fruit, by partaking of the elements of a mortal earth in which the seed of death was everywhere scattered? All orthodox people uh, theologians, theologians Believe Adam and Eve Who have been at first immortal And then all acknowledge the great command Be fruitful
3: and multiply That we're not about to become Yep It's going to still break up But I'm up at the power plant I'm leaving the power plant now It's going to be five minutes About before okay. I can Really talk with it, Without it breaking up but I do have something to say, so don't end the program if you finish before I get down to the end of the, the whatever. So, Also, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. The phone lines are open, and uh, if you do call in, I'll bring you into the call screening room, and you can ask your question and comment, and you can – Tell me whether you want to go on the air or just stay off the air, and I'll answer it on the air, so anyway, go ahead that's nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven I'm gonna mute myself.
5: <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> continuing on uh all orthodox theologians believe Adam and Eve to have been at first immortal, and to all acknowledge the great command be fruitful and multiply. That they were not about to become the parents of a world of immortals is evident, for they were on a mortal earth. That the earth was mortal all by nature, here, sh- or here today shows. The earth was to be subdued by teeming millions of mankind. The dying earth actually eaten, in a sense, a score of times by the children of these Wren parents. Uh, we're on page 142, um, continuing on. The farthest simple are mortal parents came down to fall, came down to transgress the laws of immortality, Uh, came down to give birth to the mortal tabernacles for a world of spirits. The forbidden tree, says Brigham, contained in its fruit the elements of death or the elements of mortality. By eating of it, blood was again infused into the tabernacles of beings who had become immortal. The basis of mortal generation is blood. Without blood, no mortal can be born. Even uh, could immortals have been conceived on earth. But the trees of life had made but the paradise of a few. But a mortal world was the object, cre- or the object cre- of creation then. Eve then came down to be the mother of a world, glorious mother capable of dying at the very beginning to give life to her offspring. That through mortality, the eternal life of the gods make or might be given to her sons and daughters motherhood the same from the beginning and even to the end the love of motherhood passing all understanding thus read our mormon sisters the fall of their mother and the serpent tempted woman with the forbidden fruit did woman hesitate a moment then did motherhood refuse the cup for her own sake or did she with infinite love take it and drink for her children's sake The mother had plunged down from the pinnacle of her celestial throne on earth to to taste of death that her children might have everlasting life. What? Should Eve ask Adam to partake of the elements of death first in such a sacrament? It would have outraged motherhood. Eve partook of that supper of the Lord's death first. She ate of that body and drank of that blood. Be it to Adam's eternal credit that he stood by and let our mother, our blessed Eve, partake of the sacrifice before himself. Adam followed the mother's example, for he was great and grand. A father worthy indeed of a world. He was wise, too. Um, He was wise, too, for the blood of life is the stream of mortality. Uh, We have 19 seconds left in the live part of this. So if you have anything you want to say or you would just like to continue listening after the live portion of the radio show ends, you should call in... uh, at 917-889-8827 um, within the next 90 seconds or else no, you can't call in. So yeah, uh, continuing on. What a psalm of everlasting praise to woman that you sell first. A goddess came down from her mansions of glory to bring the spirits of her children down after her. In their myriads of branches and their hundreds of generations, she was again a mortal mother now, the first person in the trinity of mothers. The Mormon sisterhood take up their themes of religion with their mother Eve and consent with her at the very threshold of the temple to bear the cross. Eve is ever with her daughters in the temple of the Lord their God. The Mormon daughters of Eve have also in this eleventh hour come down to earth like her to magnify the divine office of motherhood. She came down from her resurrection. They, fr- uh, they from the spirit state here with her in the divine providence of maternity. They began to ascend the ladder to heaven and to their exaltation in the courts of their father and mother God. Okay, so I'm going to stop reading here for until the radio show ends because I don't want to be cut off in the middle of reading. So, yeah. Um Anything to say, Mom?
3: I'm almost down to... The point where I won't break up anymore.
5: Good. Oh, um,
4: hello. if I was going to meet you, I would have had to leave right now. Is that accurate?
5: Hello? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I I would hope so. Maybe, possibly.
3: Tell Mom that she doesn't have to worry about meeting me.
5: Mom, did you hear that? Mom, did you hear that?
3: Uh,
4: Yeah, I did.
5: Okay.
3: You got it. Okay. I think I'm in a good spot now. Um, Are you done with the reading, then?
5: Um, There's a little bit less. I just didn't know, like, if it would cut me off if it's ended um, no,
0: so, the so
3: we have two hours of live streaming audio on the internet. Um, yeah, and people can listen during those live uh, those two hours. When we go into overdrive, they get cut off, uh, and they can listen to it later in the podcast, which is what most people do. They listen later in the podcast, um, but also at the end of the two hour live streaming portion of the radio program. The phone lines shut down and if you're on if you have called in before the end of the two hours You stay on and you can listen to the program and there's 50 lines available for that Uh, you can also um, Press one and it'll let me know that you want to talk to me and then I'll bring you in the I'll bring them in the studio Um, But we have an hour of overdrive every night that we can utilize if if it's a longer program like tonight um, where people can, where we can still talk and it'll still record for the podcast. And then people can listen to the podcast, um, you know, different different platforms or podcasts. are iTunes, Apple Podcasts is the one that I use, Podcast Republic, there's a bunch of them. Anyway, but... Um, And they can also just go to our blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentallymormon and it will load the full audio after we're done. It'll do whatever it does and then they can listen to the full program, you know, the recorded archived program. But, yeah, the the only thing that's important about the end of the two-hour mark is if they wanted to talk, they had to have called in. And if they were listening on the live streaming on the Internet, they had to call in to finish listening to the program because it, it just cuts everyone off. So that's what I paid for. That's all I can afford. The next level I, up is like $600 or something like that. Can I ask you something that. right now? Um,
4: yeah. I, we had stuff that was already made and ready to go to you, but um, – You don't want me to come out there because I'm too late? Is that what you're saying?
3: Well, yeah, I'm almost uh, Huntington, And um, I've got enough food for right now. And whatever you have, um, you know, if I don't finish eating the food that I have, I'll eat it in the morning. And then if I'm hungry in the morning, I might eat some of that food that you would have brought me tonight when I get home. Okay. So, and also, like, I know that you're extremely busy, and I know you want to see me, and I would love to see you as well, but um, I'm already going to be passing the place that I stop in Huntington before you get there, so. Okay. Can
0: I break up? Okay. Yeah, no. A- a I can hear you. Okay.
3: Okay, um, Emmett, go ahead and finish the reading, and then I will talk about what I wanted to talk about.
5: Okay. Who shall number the blasphemies of the sec- the secretarian churches against our first grandparent? 10,000 priests of the serpent have been thundered uh, anathemas upon the head of the cursed man. Uh, that is a weird face. Oh, of a cursed Adam. I read down a page when I went through that. Appalling, oftentimes, their pious rage, and Eve, the holiest, grandest of mothers, has been made a very byword to offset the frailties of the most wicked and abandoned. Very different is Mormon theology. The Mormons exalt the grandparents of our race. Not even is the name of Christ more sacred to them than the names of Adam and Eve. It was to them the poetess and the high priestess Addressed her hymn of invocation and Brigham's proclamation that Adam is our father and God is like a hallelujah chorus to their everlasting names. The very earth shall yet take it up, and all the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve shall yet shout for it for joy, or yet shout it for joy to the ends of the earth in the very time. Page one hundred and forty-four. In spite of the clarity of these and other sermons on the subject of Adam God it continued to be an issue of long-standing controversy. Some leaders and members hailed it as a vitally important new revelation, while others apostatized, etc. Other. And that is the end of the chapter. Anything to say, anyone?
3: Yeah, I have plenty to say. Okay, so we're talking about how Brigham Young didn't quite understand some things about Adam, God, and the law of adoption, multiple mortal probations. And he did understand some things about, you know, Adam and Eve coming into the garden before the veil with the celestial bodies and about how they partook of the fruit and they uh, had the veil placed over their head, which made them terrestrial, which meant that they were still immortal in the garden until they fell completely which brought him down to a telestial level. Now, because Adam was a redeemer on an older earth, he will not die. He cannot die. He did not die. And Brigham Young said that he did. He's wrong. I don't know why he said that, other than he didn't understand some things, um... So here's how, here's what happens. I'm going to give you the truth of it. You take it to God. Don't just trust me because I said it. Because that would be trusting in the arm of flesh. And then if you make your mind up about it without getting revelation from God, that's actually putting, making flesh your arm. That's what that means. So you don't make flesh your arm by figuring it out yourself and not getting a revelation and confirmation of the Spirit from God and you don't just trust somebody because they said something, even if they have all kinds of miracles and wonders and all kinds of stuff, it doesn't matter. You need to go to God like a little child with a believing heart and study it out to the best of your ability and then find out if it's true. Okay. When Michael paid for our sins on an older earth, he was able to say the same thing that Jesus said to the Nephites. Be ye therefore perfect, even as I and my Father are perfect. In that context, when Michael said the same thing that Jesus said, Michael was speaking of his Father Jehovah, who is not Jesus. When Jesus said before his uh, crucifixion and all of that, be ye therefore perfect, even as... My father is perfect. It meant that he had not yet completed his mission as a redeemer on the earth. However, after his resurrection, he said to the Nephites, Be ye therefore perfect, even as I and my father are perfect. When Michael came into the garden, he was an exalted, celestial, resurrected person. And he brought one of his wives Ashura, with him as a resurrected, exalted, celestial person. When they partook of the fruit and the bell was placed over their minds, and I'm talking about just the fruit in the garden, not the fruit of the the tree. They had the bell placed on their minds and they descended from a celestial level in steps down to the terrestrial level. When they partook of the fruit of the tree, they descended to a celestial level and blood infused their veins at that point. When they were celestial, light infused their veins. But when they became mortal again, they were like translated beings who cannot die. Same as John the Revelator is. Same as the three Nephites are. Uh, Well, those those four are actually lesser level translation anyway. At the end of Adam's life, just under 1,000 years, Adam and Eve were translated back to a terrestrial being. They did not go back into the spirit world as spirits. They went to a place that God had prepared for them, which later is where the city of Enoch and then later the city of Salem went to, uh, and they all went there as terrestrial beings. When Jesus Christ paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane, the the first person he goes to after his resurrection was his wife, Miriam, who the Gentiles called Mary. He said, hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. That's talking about Father Adam, who is Michael. But go unto my brethren and say unto them. I ascend unto my father, Michael, and your father, speaking to his wife, Miriam, or Mary, to my God, my Elohim, that's Jehovah and to your Elohim. Speaking to Mary, speaking of Jehovah, our Elohim. When he went there on the day of first fruit, which was that Sunday, he went to bring his father back and restore him to his throne as a celestial, exalted being, breaking the bands of... And the fall and the curse and all that happened, to restore his father to his place and to restore his mother to her place, back to an exalted, resurrected, celestial resurrection. And in Daniel chapter 7, when we see that the Ancient of Days comes and sits and one like unto the Son of Man comes, In Daniel chapter seven, it specifically says that Michael is the one that sits on that throne. Because Michael is our father, and that is in Daniel chapter 12. Michael and and Ashura, who were Adam and Eve for this earth, did not die. They did not go as spirits back into the spirit world, and they never lost their body. That's what I wanted to say. Do we have anybody in the call, screening room, or anybody asking questions in chat?
5: Um, from what I can see, uh, no.
3: OK. Well, uh, that's the we end of the really program for that. today. Uh, if you will, yeah. Emmett, uh, if, you are, if Kim has anything to say, then, or if you have anything to say, then go ahead and say whatever. If you have any questions, you can ask me as well. So ask mom. I'm on horseshoe, by the way, so I might be breaking up a little bit.
5: Uh, you sound fine to me, but I don't have any questions. Mom, do you?
3: Nope, I don't have any questions.
1: Okay. okay. You know,
3: one stupid thing about tonight I went in early so that I could try to, like, if I get screwed up, like I got screwed up last night, I can still make up. And I sat there for a – it was like I went in, like, at a normal time. Like, are you serious? Like, I try. You know, I try to, like – Okay, I'm gonna go in early so I can make yeah. sure I get all my loads in case something stupid happens, and then something stupid happens, and hopefully that'll be the last stupid thing that happens tonight. But uh, it is what it is. So. Anyway, uh, okay. Well, uh, go ahead, everyone, and mute your lines. Emma, okay. Cue, cue the music.